on this episode of the SSI Executive Conversations podcast, Darwin talks with Kerry Dunbar, a commercial leader in sales and business development with over 35 years of high-level experience in medtech and medical services. On this episode, Kerry and Darwin talk about commercial launch strategies post-pandemic, insights into the evolving world of customer access, and the new norms of leading commercial teams in the post-pandemic era. Well, I, I am extremely excited to, um, to welcome Kerry Dunbar onto the SSI Executive Conversations podcast. Um, uh, well, first of all, welcome, Kerry. But uh, before, I, uh, as I go into you know, your background, um, I think we first met in 2008. Uh, incredible leader and was a, a great mentor to me. Um, is currently started out at, with, with DJO uh, before it became a novice uh, now, but uh, he's the senior director of corporate accounts. He's responsible for all key GPO, uh, GPO relationships, uh, distributor and IDN partners in the United States. Um, before DJO, uh, we had the opportunity to, to, I had the opportunity to be mentored by him uh, at Total Sleep, but he's got an extensive background, Black & Decker, Boston Scientific, also has additional expertise and experience in private equity and venture capital, um, was involved with uh, privately held European ancillary services model uh, experience there, which is, is pretty unique. And he is, of course, a blue hen. So from, uh, uh, from, from Delaware University. So welcome. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you and, and share some of your insights and experiences with our following. Thanks, Don. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it, it kind of goes without saying when you look at what's gone in the, on in the industry, and I say this fairly often that the pandemic at this point is the most disruptive thing that's ever happened in my lifetime. Uh, we are more, we've been more virtual in the last three years than we've been in the last, uh, you know, three, four decades when you when you think about it and so i'm excited to talk to you about a variety of aspects of the commercial world relevant to medtech and, and pharma our clients um but maybe you could kind of start us out with sharing commercial launch pre-pandemic versus post-pandemic and maybe some of the biggest differences that you've seen yeah i think the biggest thing if you take a look at the the way we used to do things in the now post-pandemic new normal uh, physical access to a lot of customers has changed dramatically. And even uh, post-pandemic, the attention span, both on existing customers and new customers, it just seems like there's more going on and there's less time to get after it. So both of those uh, are, are big dynamics. When you take a look in, in our world with some of the larger IDNs, they've actually uh, got rid of a lot of the real estate that they had. So I used to travel one time a week uh, on average to uh, have live interactions with customers. And now that's back to one time a month. That doesn't mean that I'm seeing less customers. I'm actually seeing more customers than I ever have. I mean, we're keeping you have uh, greater efficiency of that. Yeah. The the Microsoft Teams platform is uh, is alive and well at Anovis, and uh, we either do Teams or Zoom based on uh, the, the customer's uh, preference. But uh, right. you know, we're seeing much more uh, productivity there uh, doing that. And what used to be 
where you had a comfort level where face-to-face -face was really the only way you felt you could get things done. Initial meetings and, you know, key meetings are still something that you want to do live. But what we're finding is that the acceptance now, they would rather, you have a better chance of getting in front of a customer sooner if you're willing to schedule a Teams event or a Zoom event for them that fits into their calendar. Right. You know, backing into an either or Tuesday or Wednesday on an open slot. Uh, and you can right. move a lot of your, uh, your your big deals forward that way. Now, that makes a lot of sense. And as you were talking about that, that contraction, uh, in a sense of, of attention span, but because there's not as much face-to-face -face and people are more and more inundated, right, with, with emails and uh, certainly phone calls, but emails and other aspects as automation in emails and um, scenarios like that, people are bombarded with um, people reaching out to them for a variety of reasons. I think back to when we were at Total Sleep together and you know, hoofing it around to doctor's offices, trying to see anywhere from 10 to 15 physician offices in one day. Um, and as you, you talked about that, that attention piece, I, I kind of equate it to making, if you're on the phone with somebody, it's much easier to get distracted or look at an email or somebody comes by and you can think you're multitasking, but you, right. you're not doing as good of a job as you'd like to pay attention. Whereas with video, that, that kind of eliminates that. So um, it's almost like inversely proportional uh, in, in, in people being being inundated with people reaching out. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, it, it, when you think about having more meetings, how has that affected? And not it's it's I don't mean to say that everybody's not important as a stakeholder. But there are certainly a, there's certainly a difference between stakeholders at a client and then stakeholders that are decision makers, let's say. So maybe you could talk a little bit about how access to, to the key stakeholders has changed a little bit. Well, I think the key for us uh, in our in our model, we've got uh, a field team that is doing the day to day interactions with uh, our typical customer base, uh, hospital systems, clinics and whatnot. But then we also have these larger IDNs that, uh, you know, fairly uh, large footprint, a lot of different stakeholders there. So, you know, when you and I started uh, using a strategic selling model on some of the larger complex sales, just understanding mm -hmm. who the key stakeholders are um, and what their decision-making process is overall is, is really kind of keys. That has never gone away. And now yeah. um, most organizations are, you know, fairly lean, leveraged, and right at or beyond bandwidth. So, the the really the attention span is a lot shorter. So, and more, right. even though we're in the uh, the medical device lab arena, uh, we're re we're really uh, in essence we call it pain management, where you're you're trying to frame a pain that a customer has, uh, and you're trying to uh, relieve that pain. Um, specifically for them uh, in, you know, 15, 30 second uh, little vignette. And really the way that we've found success in some of these larger deals is some of the channel partners that we've uh, worked with, uh, the group okay. purchasing organizations, the dis uh, distribution partners, you know, a big chunk of their sales organizations now are more of a consulting uh, sales approach. So getting them to kind of sponsor us into some of those difficult to get to 
stakeholders has really been a big help. And then we just follow the strategic selling process uh, along to uh, get to a, a, an understanding of what their frame their pain, uh, put a program together to uh, fix that pain and then relieve that pain for them. Now that makes sense. I appreciate you kind of going into that. Um, I almost have a two-part question on this, this next. So I'll start out and, you know, you talked about, I know how we used to travel and um, I used to joke planes, trains, and automobiles in corporate America before I got, got out of corporate America and into this, uh, this situation as an entrepreneur. But when you think about uh, access to your team members getting together as a team versus the the virtual component, kind of what's your what's your your standard cadence now? What's the new norm? We we'll do uh, annual sales meetings uh, and we'll do quarterly uh, or mid year um, checkup meetings. But by and large, a lot of our interaction now is on a, in a Teams environment where we'll have scheduled calls. And one of the things that we try to do in the national accounts group here is really kind of encourage that empowerment leadership that we've talked about where each one of the members that are involved in the project, um, it's the concept of yours, mine, and ours, where I've got responsibilities, you have responsibilities, but overall, our overall project responsibility or customer responsibility, the only way that we're going to be successful is uh, we all are aware of how we're progressing uh, in order to accomplish some of those goals that we're trying to achieve mutually for that customer. Excellent. Okay. So I want to maybe get your perspective on this relevant to more than just commercial team members, but when you think of autonomy and there's certain aspects and positions, if somebody's in manufacturing production, for example, you have to be on site. That's not, you know, there's no, there's no magic relevant to that. There are a lot of roles and stakeholder positions at uh, companies and at the areas that we're in that have, you know, whether it's regulatory affairs, aspects of clinical design quality, certainly, certainly commercial roles, project management, where you don't need to be in a seat five days a week and people were able to successfully manage and, and do it well in their roles over first year and a half, some places over two years in the pandemic. So, at the medical device manufacturing conference, uh, Christopher Lafayette was one of the keynote speakers and talked about the metaverse and artificial intelligence and um, how virtual we've been. And, you know, he said multiple times, hey, we're not going back. And the technology and R&D is, is just would blow most people's minds. What approach is Inovis taking to that outside of, of commercial roles? And how do how even on the commercial side, how do you guys look at where somebody's located now? Because you don't have to be, you don't travel as much. There is so much access, whether it's MS Teams or uh, or Zoom. And I think about back when when you and I were at the at the same place, and I was traveling almost every week, and you were as well. So maybe you could kind of speak a little bit to that uh, of what you're seeing. Well, when you get into design, research, and development. You know, there's different departments that really uh, you get a lot of synergy uh, meeting together, discussing around the uh, the project table. So uh, we've started a, a staggered uh, approach back to work where, uh, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you know, kind of a cadence to have the teams that really 
everyone agrees uh, it makes sense for them to be back into the office uh, to give them an opportunity to spend some time together. But you know, even our footprint of our offices have reduced too, where you know the size that you need, a lot of uh, desk sharing and that type of thing uh, are going on for, for those type of folks. So it gives them the flexibility uh, if need be uh, on either end, a Monday or a Friday to do that. The field teams, you know, you've got different levels of responsibility in the field teams uh, requiring different customer interactions. So obviously the, the, those folks that are servicing our customers uh, within the zip code need to be in that zip code and need to be actively right. out and about. But the further up the, uh, the roles you get, a lot of the marketing roles now that we have uh, are starting to be able to be remote and doesn't necessarily have to be at one of our main campuses here in Texas or California. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's pretty, pretty smart. And I, I, it'll be interesting to see what the majority of companies do kind of when the dust really settles, because it's still, we're still in sort of a post pandemic hangover in a sense. And uh, we, we do a lot of interactive surveys with uh, the, the professionals that, that we interact with and sort of are following. And, there are certain people in situations that maybe they have a family situation, a child situation, whatever it is, that really want to be remote uh, most of the time or 90 plus percent of the time. But for most of those interactions, we have one that was over 800 regulatory people. Another one was over 700 quality people, for example. And most people really seem to want a hybrid model. They want the human interaction. They don't want to be remote and on screens all the time. And so I think my, my, my guess, educated or uneducated, is that's kind of where mo most people end back up. It, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, it's been interesting because we did an evolution of uh, when you could do no face-to-face, uh, -face, so you were just totally uh, virtual, where a lot of times people would just have their uh, screens off. But, you know, what we've found is that if you're going <laughs> to you're going to be in it. You need to flip them on and uh, be able to, it's nothing takes the place of seeing somebody uh, in person face to face. Um, but it really uh, is important to, to keep that connection. I mean, and I think I've yes. got broader and deeper connections now with folks on the team, be they in uh, Tijuana at uh, our manufacturing facility, distribution facility, or California, um, Dallas, wherever, right. uh, you know, they're at uh, just, having uh, the ability to, to dial them in and, and see their face and see their reactions. And to that point, and you just mentioned, you know, even better relationships, because if you're seeing somebody in the field once a month versus getting to see them and interact with them as, as a person on screen every single week or sometimes more than one time a week, that makes, that makes perfect sense. And we, SSI moved towards uh, about a, a little over a year ago to a full video um, talent management firm. So we interact with all of our preps, all of our candidate interactions when we're talking to people in the first time are on video. And um, I think in this day and age, from, a, from an interview process and talent management process, if you're interviewing people and you're spending time having doing anything on the, on the phone, there's just little nuances and things that you can miss out where you might catch in that video and makes it more efficient and less likely to go down and invest more time in an interview process when maybe it doesn't make sense. So 
I appreciate, I appreciate you sharing that insight. Um, last, last question I, I can't not talk about with you before we sort of finish up here. And it, uh, I just got the notice that we're at 15 minutes and I'm like, uh, I could, I could certainly talk to you for, for another 15 uh, to 30 easy, but you are certainly a big fan of servant leadership and empowerment leadership and uh, made a monumental impact on me as a leader, really probably, you know, when I, I say when I first met you, really wasn't uh, a very bad leader, probably um, not probably. I wasn't a very good leader uh, to be to be transparent. And you were the first person that exposed me to Zap, uh, the book Zap, Empowerment Leadership Style. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about, um, you know, what that's meant uh, for you and your professional life. And then, um, you know, how that empowerment piece ties into the commercial world and environment post-pandemic, I personally think it's probably even more important. Totally agree. I mean, really, for us in national accounts um, and just overall in the company, that empowerment leadership is a cornerstone concept for us because, you know, you're going into lean modeling. You've got less people in typical every department. Those people that are there need to feel like they're not just being uh, asked to do something and have no reason why, if you can really help them understand where their analytics table that they're putting together is going to make a big difference, copying them in on uh, the email to the customer, have inviting them in on QBRs. I mean, that's one of the things yeah. that we would do uh, to give them a, a feeling that it's th this concept of yours, mine, and ours together. That's the only right. way that you're going to be successful and get leverage in your uh, your group and where they feel empowered, uh, helping them understand where I'm going to call you out, but I'm going to call you out when you're doing things right versus I, I'm going to call you catching you doing things wrong. That the power yeah. of uh, calling somebody out for doing something right. I, you know, I can't tell you how many uh, emails that I send that when I when I talk to the person after I send the email and I copied their boss and their boss's boss and you're specific in what they did well and thank you very much for your effort on that project when when they talk to you and they say hey <laughs> i thought i was in really in trouble when i saw those names but then <laughs> i just really appreciated you uh recognizing that that means a lot and you, you don't do it if it's not genuine and you don't do it if it's not right. specific but in this day and age, that's that's the cornerstone of being truly successful and really building uh, a team that's not only good, but has the opportunity to be great. I think that's so well said. And, you know, it can seem like a, a cliche in terms of, you know, no people don't care what you know until they know how you care. But uh, being on the same team and putting the right talent in the right seats, but then empowering them so they're a part of the decision making process. Right. They're a part of, of the win. And the more that we're all a part of the win together, whether it's at a company or even in the ecosystem, I, I, I started the company on quality because um, that really matters to me as a, as a clinician, even though I didn't have the, the engineering background and understanding when I started. But I thought, hey, if they're in quality, they have to care about that outcome and how it benefits people. And qual every single company, and you just did a great job of interconnecting different stakeholders and why it matters to, for them to be engaged. But every single person has that touches that process of getting that product to the patient and that final outcome is important to it. And so um, people, 
people feeling, uh, understanding that being a part of it, uh, whether it's on the commercial side or not in the commercial side, same way that every person at a company is a stakeholder for quality, whether they're directly in the quality department or not. So you're exactly right. Well said, my friend. Hey, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It's great Enjoy. to see you. And uh, I, I look forward to talking to you again here in the future. Thanks. Appreciate you. Take care, Darwin. Okay. All right, brother. Have a great day. Bye. For the video recording of this podcast, along with additional resources, make sure to find us on the web at SurigSolutions.com or follow us on social media and LinkedIn at Surig Solutions.